Hey, this is Zach Catanzaro. And I'm Walker Lukens. We're the hosts of Song Confessional, the only podcast where today's top songwriters turn your anonymous stories into original songs. This week, we've got a salacious tale of train platforms and anonymous hookups. Austin songstress Buffalo Hunt transforms the confession into a cinematic indie pop gem, exploring the dark pleasures of our bad decisions. Listen to Song Confessional at KUTX.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and in this episode, you're going to hear from Rishikesh Hirway and Basha Bulat. And before I get started, I just want to let you know there is a Spotify playlist available on the This Song page at the KUTX website for this episode. You can hear every song in this episode in its entirety. We only play clips in this podcast, and I know that it can be like super frustrating to just hear a part of a really interesting song. So if you hear a song that you like, please go to the Spotify playlist. You can listen to it all the way through. So let's get started with Richie K. Shearway. He produces one of my favorite podcasts called Song Exploder, where he has artists talk about the making of their own songs. He breaks the songs down into individual tracks, which are also called stems, so that if someone talks about a guitar part in a song, you just might hear that guitar part alone. You hear people talk about aspects of the song creation that really you never get to hear anywhere else. And I love the side of musicians that his podcast reveals, because I think that musicians are most beautiful when they allow people to see the depth of thought and emotion that goes into the creation of their art. He's talked to Bjork and Courtney Barnett, and this new episode that just came out features Carly Rae Jepsen. She talks about her song, When I Needed You. And Rishi K. Shearway, he's also a musician. He has a band called 1AM Radio, and he creates the music for the hip-hop group Moors. And for him, he spent his musical life really trying to create a feeling he first heard and understood as a very young boy. So here he is, Rishikesh Hirway. Okay, uh, the song that I picked is called Yehe Reshami Zulfonka Andhera. Oh. Yehe Reshami It's a really long title. It's uh, the first lines of the of the song. Um, it was on a tape that my my parents had a cassette. Um, they had all these cassettes of indie old Indian music, Bollywood movies, um, movie soundtracks, and and they were a lot of times they were in like compilations compilations by singers or compilations by composers. Um, and this was on this was on some cassette like a dub not even the actual cassette then you know there would be these dubs because the stuff was really hard to come by in the 80s and um and i remember listening to this song for the first time and it gave it made me feel something it stirred something in me that i didn't think i like i didn't realize could happen with music 
um, I, I don't know if I understood what nostalgia was at that age, but I think it was my first encounter with nostalgia. Even though it was for something, even though I was hearing something for the first time, that feeling of kind of of feeling happy about feeling sad, like looking forward to the sadness that you were feeling, this song gave me that feeling for the first time. And you know, this is a it was it's in Hindi, and and I don't speak Hindi, so I didn't know what the words meant. It was just music. It was the sound of this singer's voice. Her name's Asha Bosley, and she's one of the most famous Bollywood singers, you know, in, in the world, in the world. She's one of the most famous Bollywood singers there is. But I didn't know, I didn't know what the song was about or anything. It was just, it, but it really spoke to me. Was it a song that you would put on as a kid to feel this feeling? After that, yeah, after I heard it for the first time, it was a really addictive feeling. That, and, and I think that indicated something to me. Later on when I started making music, I really wanted to tap into that feeling. I wanted to recreate that in myself and in others because that was something really special and magical and I, I couldn't understand it and it seemed like it could only be communicated in music. How old do you think you were at this time? I think I was probably six or seven. Um, and so longing, you know, I, I think I had understood what wanting was, um, but longing is something new. As is nostalgia, because yeah. you, your life has, up to, you just started remembering right. things. You're yeah. Like, yeah. In high school, I left and I, I, I went to a boarding school. And I took that tape with me, and I used to listen to it all the time in school, and it made me, and I wasn't homesick generally, like I, I really was excited about being away from home, but I took that with me and I used to listen to it all the time, and and it connected me both to this, you know, era of 1965 that I'd never experienced, and then some kind of childhood moment of hearing it for the first time, and then all the subsequent times since then, and then also just like the fact, like the memory of growing up there. Um, and it, and I just I that became one of the staples of my you know mixed in with my fugazi and uh, helmet and iced tea and public enemy was this old tape of Bollywood songs. Was it the kind of thing like when you were a teenager? It kind of allowed you to go to this place where you may not have wanted to go, or it may have been you know no one wants to be actively seeking out homesickness but it's i'm sure like when you're away from your family it's there so it's nice to have like a something that will trigger that feeling and i do think that as a teenager i probably did actively seek out sadness in <laughs> oh, yeah, art that. and music you know like i was i was i was taking all kinds of angst happily i was like <laughs> yeah i want you know I, it was nick drake or whatever I, I would anything that would make me feel like it really tapped into my angst and sadness and um, and this was doing it in a way that that was profound and unique yeah there were probably not many other kids at your school listening to this song yeah yeah so when did you start playing music then um were you playing music when you were six when you first heard it yeah i was playing piano around that time i i i think i was i might have been seven when i started piano and then um 
And then when I got to high school, I started playing drums in bands. Oh. I was playing drums in um, like bands and also in like the jazz band. And but I also played piano in the in the jazz band. At some point, I switched. Like from drums to piano, or, or from like piano to drums. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I, and I just got really excited about drums and less excited about piano. It was around this time, like when you were in high school, did you start writing your own music, or had that? That was a little bit later. By the my last year, my senior year of high school, that's when I started writing writing music, and that's when I started playing guitar. I listened to some early the 1am radio and it was it's very like I mean now that I know that your first that the, that your song choice is a song that's kind of filled with longing like there is it's like very yearning filled music do you yeah. think that that was that the kind of what you were going for when you started writing your own songs yeah I think so I mean I think that I don't know if I so consciously went for it but that was what came out and then when I saw that then I, I was able to sort of connect the dots and realize like yeah that's that's what I want to make that's the feeling that I want to evoke yeah at a certain point I definitely became aware that that was what my am ambition was was to try and make sort of like sad songs that make people feel sad <laughs> feel that kind of like longing or like that uh, really ambivalent feelings of like hope and optimism but like wistfulness I guess was the yeah it was always a moving target you know and, and I would start with an idea and and there's always you know like a set of notes or a chord or something that would start it that you, you could kind of feel like oh I think I think that's that's where that feeling is going to start from yeah and then you try and move to the next chord and make sure you don't lose that feeling like try and like keep that you know you pull at that thread a little bit and then if if you play the wrong chord then you lose it and you have to start over and you know you keep writing and building off of that if at any if at any point you kind of go like hmm i'm feeling slightly happy no 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 happiness yeah <laughs> or neutral or something like no it's not it's not, not if my chest enough. isn't slowly imploding yeah. the whole time i'm playing this song yeah is, is that something you continue to do because your 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 current work is i feel like more poppy more upbeat in a way the, the last 1am radio record was um was yeah like faster tempos and stuff and more like much bigger orchestration but i think that sense of wistfulness or something was still it was still something that i was trying to go for just trying to find a new way into it but these days i, I actually have been writing with somebody else i've been making beats for a, um for a rapper and we have a project called moors and i think that it's actually it's a part of that you know i, I just am responsible for the music he's responsible for the lyrics and the vocals but um but it's something we talk about and, and look for. It, that same feeling yeah. of wistfulness and longing. Yeah. Within a hip hop context. Yeah. Dreams sprint to my Oftentimes, struggle with human nature to pop his lies. It's like he he reminds me a lot of Elliot Smith, even though he's a rapper. Like the his content and just his, again, it's just that feeling. He reminds me of of, of Elliot Smith. That kind of like sadness that that also is kind of. Um, thinly masked by by some kind of like desperate desperation or like anger 
but mm-hmm. underneath it is actually like a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So he reminds me a lot of that. And so I, so I try and go at it from, you know, try and pull that out. Asphyxiated, knocking on the take. I think it's a very complicated feeling and it's I don't know if this is overblown to say but like the reason why people like complicated foods you know where there's a lot of flavors that blend together to make this thing that's kind of unique. I think that's attractive instead of trying to aim for a song that, you know, or aim for a feeling that's, that's a little more simpler to parse. That's a little simpler to explicate. This is, I, I like how nostalgia has this, you know, it has this mix of happiness and sadness and, and it's so complicated. It feels like if you have to keep drawing over and over and over again, um, that's something I'd, I could draw from an infinite number of times. That's your deep well yeah. of inspiration. Yeah. So you, you've been a musician for a really long time. And then you started the podcast in 2000... 2014. 14. 14. It, or it came out January 1st, 2014. Okay, 2014. Um, where did the idea come from? I think the idea had been brewing in some form for a long time. And I think it's the kind of idea that a lot of people have had, you know. It really came from just having, you know, conversations with friends who are musicians, talking about songs that I love that they've made and then asking them, how do they, how do they make that? Or, you know, specific, really specifically about like, what's this song and uh, what's the sound in this song? Um, I started making music um, on Pro Tools in, in around 2001, 2002. And I had a friend who was, who was really into it, who we played a bunch of shows and like we'd tour together. And I used to learn by watching, watching him and, so I didn't really have any formal training uh, on the production side, but I had some of the tools. And so a lot of the time I would just, you know, just try and pick stuff up wherever I could. And I think people ask those questions all the time, you know, like how many times after a show somebody comes up and says like, what's that pedal you're using? Or what was that software that you're using? People want to know. And then I remember re- reading the liner notes to Th- Things Fall Apart by The Roots mm-hmm. way back. And Questlove had written these liner notes talking about this drum sound that he had achieved for the first time something that he had been trying to get for a long time and he got it and, I, and the song that he was writing talking about i loved the drum the way the drum sounded on that he said i oh you know i finally figured out how to get that drum sound and i was like well where's the next paragraph how did he actually do it what's what's the secret and then there was you know there's um tape op magazine um, is a magazine that I really loved and it gets v- very nerdy especially in the on the gear and engineering side but um, especially the ones with artists that felt sort of like 
akin to what my process, you know, people who are like home recorders, bedroom producers. I really loved those, those interviews. So I thought, you know, there was an audio version of, of all of those that, that could come together. Another thing that happened was that in doing the, the 1am radio, um, as like a, somebody who had like one foot in electronic stuff, I would sometimes do remixes for people and, and trying to find my way into a, to a remix, you'd get the stems for a song. Right. And, um, and I would already know the song, you know, the, the, the original version, but then as you go through and you're trying to sort of plot, plot out your remix, I would start soloing different tracks and I would suddenly hear the song in a totally new way. And, you know, and I would kind of play with combining, like, I'll oh, just, just solo the vocals and then just, you know, this keyboard part. And trying to find my version of what the remix is and getting a chance to kind of reimagine the song. And, and it felt like such a privileged way to hear a song, to get these kind of, this this deconstructed uh, version of it. And so then I thought, well, every, I, I feel like everybody should get to have this this chance to hear just the vocals by themselves, just the guitar by themselves, by by itself. So you went you went into it because you were kind of interested in production, actually. Like you were interested in like figuring out how people did things and then telling people how people did things. But also the why, mm-hmm. um, not just not just the how, because uh, that was the part that always makes it more you know that makes it so exciting that it's like this drum sounds amazing. How did you do it? And you know, and then and then why did you do it? Um, you know, oh, this song is slow, and so I needed to fill up the space, so I put a lot of reverb on it, and this is what I used to make that sound. You know, it's it kind of all in my dream version of of the podcast and of like the world. Every single decision has like a lot of intention behind it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has there been a nice like? crossover of inspiration into your own into the work that you do like hearing all these different people talk about what they're doing and how they're doing it and why they're doing it yeah there's because i get to see all these different processes all these different ways in into a song it's really opened my eyes to the idea that there are so many viable ways of making a song um that i can sort of embrace that a song can kind of come from anywhere and that also that there's no, not a right way to do it either from the songwriting perspective, either the music, the lyrics or the production. There's um, it's good to know what some rules are, but there's definitely no reason to stick to them. And um, I think it just gave me a lot more confidence in the idea of myself as like a DIY musician. Like in some way, everyone is merely making it up as they go along like yeah. or trying to, or trying to act find it and access it in all these different ways yeah and certainly that that the fidelity of a recording or like the the yeah the legitimacy of a recording and the viability of the recording the, those things are like imaginary ideas that there isn't like that just how because of how a song was made or who it was that was making it does not determine the legitimacy or viability or quality of a song yeah and I think it also, I mean, for me, it's really nice as a listener to hear, um, I, I, I think it's the same thing for listeners to hear all the different ways into it. It's like with with this podcast that I do, I always want to have something that like if someone is a creator or thinking about being a creator or like just wondering what it's like to be an artist that they can get some kind of insight into 
like things that I would have liked to have heard, you know, growing up. And I feel like in your podcast, I just, like I just listened to the the Jeff Tweedy one, and that it was so beautiful the way he talks about like letting his ego get out of the way to get into the song. Right. And it, for me, you know, as someone who does write songs, I thought like, oh that'd be a really fun way to approach a song sometime to like yeah. not go in with an agenda at all and just like see kind of what, you know, comes out of your subconscious as opposed to like, this song is about this thing. Yeah. 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 I struggle with writer's block a lot, I think. And, um, the, one of the nice side effects of doing the show is making, giving myself some space to sort of be freed up to try something the way that somebody describes how they, do it just to just to as a lark you know for the same reason that you like try a new tuning on a guitar or something just to shake things up have you actually done that then like you'll go go away from an interview and then be like i'm going to approach today i'm going to approach songwriting like bjork a little bit uh yeah maybe not so explicitly but yes but there are definitely times where i'm like I'm like oh i think i'm gonna steal a little piece of that yeah philosophy that's excellent Thank you so much. This was really great. Thank you. And thanks for sitting down with me, and I um, appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really wanted to escape, so I dreamed of a place I could go, because it's really all I had. Uh, mama got a little raise, now we can save. It was cool, we was all glad. Every silver lining has a black cloud. I can see it It's smoke with the music you're hearing is Smoke by Moors, and there it is, that sense of yearning, of nostalgia, and our conversation about that one emotion that Rishikesh is drawn to and is continuously able to draw from, for him it's nostalgic longing. It, it made me wonder, what are the ideas that I keep returning to? And what about you? What do you keep drawing inspiration from? I'll post a link to Song Exploder because if you haven't already, really, you should allow yourself to fall down a hole with that podcast. I promise your life will be improved. Before I go any further, I want to ask that if you enjoyed that interview with Rishikesh Hirway, then please head to iTunes and subscribe to this song. That way you'll not only get next week's episode with Zach from St. Seneca and Sons of Bill delivered right to you. While you're there, you can peruse our archive and hear other episodes with artists like Alessia Cara and Mark Mothersbaugh. You could also leave a rating or a review, which would be awesome, because ratings and reviews help people find this podcast in the vast landscape that is iTunes. And we here at Team This Song want as many people as possible to hear these stories. Next up, Baja Bulat. She's a Canadian singer and songwriter, and she has a new record out called Good Advice that was produced by Jim James. She came to our fair city of Austin, Texas, during South by Southwest, the massive festival that engulfs our town every March. And one of the shows she played was our own KUTX Live at the Four Seasons. KUTX is the station where we make this podcast, and we have these early morning shows during South by Southwest at the Four Seasons Hotel, early as in, like, they start at 7 a.m. early, and they're really fun. A thousand people show up early and eat breakfast tacos and drink coffee and watch bands who are up much earlier than the law should allow, but who consistently give incredible performances. And Basha Bulat she was so good 
at like 8 a.m. In fact, she gave us all a magical moment. She brought a band to the show, but for the last song, she played solo, just her and an auto harp. And for the length of the song, it was like everyone in the room was connected to her, transported by her voice to a place that was beyond words and beyond any one individual. We all felt it, which is why when she was done, the room erupted into a standing ovation. And for Baja Bulat, that connection, that's what it's all about. So here she is, Baja Bulat. I mean, there's, there's a lot of songs that changed my life. I mean, in terms of like a song recording, you know, I would maybe say the live recording of Bring It On Home To Me by Sam Cooke um, off of that live at the Harlem Square Club, which I think is one of the greatest live records of all time. Um, and maybe one of the greatest albums of all time, actually. I should, I should rephrase that. Baby, if you But, but that recording is, um, when I first heard that, it, it did definitely feel like something in me just kind of changed. Yeah, well, I first heard that song, I was in my friend's basement. Um, <laughs> and... Um, we put on that record and first of all it's just an incredible band playing with it you can feel the energy coming off the vinyl um and then that song kind of starts um with a spoken intro um where sam is saying he's trying to reach his baby and he's calling the operator and you know he, he just needs to reach his baby and there is something about it i don't know obviously it, it's, it's something that they rehearsed and they did every night, but it felt like, yeah, he was living it in that moment. It feel, I mean, when you feel it, you hear it, and the whole crowd feels it, and you really feel like it was one of the greatest concerts that ever happened on this planet, you know? I don't want you, I want my And children, the minute I hear my baby say hello, something starts to move. Does it? Are, are you talking about that thing where you can feel like someone is like inhabiting, like, to, like totally present in the moment and in the song, and like therefore, like because they are, like you kind of feel that too. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Well, yeah. There's there's that. First of all, there's there's that where you feel transported into that show and then there's something else that you just can't quite I mean it's impossible to explain what it is it's something almost I don't want to say mystical but it is a little bit mystical or or 
I mean, certainly spiritual in what you feel when it when you're listening. To, for me, anyway, when I'm listening to that song, um, and and I think that's kind of. I mean, that's what, why music becomes the universal language, because it's something we can't really put into words, but we all feel. Listen to me. Don't you know that I'll always, I'll always be your slave. We've done a, a bunch of these interviews and that keeps on coming up. It's like the the way that music can move you without without words, without language, without like even your knowledge of like even having any words to describe what that is. It's like almost like this more primal effect on like your body and your mind and your soul. That is just that keeps coming up and that sounds like it's it's a uh, it's what moved you about this Sam Cooke song. Yeah, I mean, I think most of the music I love that's where it's coming from for sure. I mean, um I feel it when I'm playing shows. I mean, today I couldn't believe people standing up. That when I mean that was that was a, that was a bit surreal, you know? And you feel really connected to people that you've never met. Um and yeah, there is something that, I mean, it, it, I think that's why, you know, festivals like this and why we kind of our lives revolve around, at least for all of us, our lives revolve around music. <laughs> I think as a performer that that can be something that you just, you chase all the time, like trying to get to that space because it doesn't always happen, you know, like you oh, can't. Yeah, of course, it, it can't always happen. Yeah. But I do think that, um, I think it's, it's, it's like a balance because you can't, you can't really chase it either. It kind of has to kind of happen it's kind of like love you know <laughs> like you just have to be open to it happening and then it will happen yeah. when it wants to kind of it's when it's the right time it'll happen yeah <laughs> let me hear you say yeah Recording with Jim James in the studio, then was that the goal to get to that, to that place of like emotion and um, connection? Well, I think every record's really different, and my the way I came. I mean, I I've played music my whole life, and I was surrounded by musicians. Um, that being said. I always assumed that music would be something I do, but I would have a day job. And I had a million and one different kinds of jobs, doing all sorts of different things. And so when I made my first record, I was still a student and I was using um, my student loan money to make that record, um, just to document what I was doing with my friends. And and, and so for me, there's always been an element, um, I've always made records in a very, um, live off the floor, playing with people um, in a room, having an element of the document there. So every record is different, and there's a different feeling and a different. It's a different kind of photograph of where you are at that time. And the record that I did, this record that I did with Jim, I'm so proud of it because it's such a cool and weird little record that also ended up being um, 
kind of the musical and emotional support I needed for for a lot of heartbreak. Um, and so the people that we kind of had on this record, it was this amazing super group, amazing group of people on this record. And a lot of, you know, of course, amazing band itself. Jim's playing guitar and he's playing bass and he's playing synth and my friend Dave Given is playing drums. Um, my friend Seth from Floating Actions playing bass and guitar and all sorts of things. And Kevin Ratterman and, and um, Mary Liz Bender and Lacey Guthrie from a band called Twin Limb who are playing here for South By. They are on the record. singer named Cher Vaughn who played on this record, who sang on this record. There's there's uh, Katie from Houndmouth sang on the, on this record. It really meant a lot to me to have the energy and the support of so many women. Um, and so many female voices on this record too and it's really um it's really i wrote a lot of the songs for for me and my girls kind of so so i i feel like in terms of that kind of energy and connection that we're talking about that kind of thing that i it, i definitely also feel like there was also you know we had this amazing we really tapped into getting this amazing super group and i'm really proud of it for that reason that um yeah, it, 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 it was really special, and every record's special, but that was one of those things that working with one of my musical heroes and then also having this amazing support behind me, it, it was, it's, um, it's really something else. Everybody's with me. Everybody's with me tonight. Look, listen, let me hear you say yeah. I guess, you know, it's going to happen naturally with people if you, if the music is... If you connect with people, the music's going to feel good and that energy's going to come through. I think it's just, and, and that's kind of the cool thing. A lot of these festivals, you, you're meeting up with, with a lot of people, maybe you've never met them before, and then you go and you jam, you know, in someone's hotel room. And it can be people you've never met, but music has that effect where it's, it's this, like, like we've been talking about, you know, it, it kind of, everybody understands it. And, and they bring their own their own understanding and their own energy and their own personality into it and becomes it's something kind of bigger than than all of us by Basha Bulat, and we actually have video of her performing this song at the KUTX Live at the Four Seasons show that I was telling you about. I'll definitely post that to the This Song page for this episode. I really appreciate Basha taking the time to talk to me about music and for hipping me to that Sam Cooke performance. It really is extraordinary how a recording that was made over a half century ago can feel as if it's happening right now and can make me feel as exhilarated as I'm sure the audience felt back in 1963. I mean, for me, it's the closest thing there is to magic. And that's it. 
We have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by John Parsons, David Sanger, and me, Elizabeth McQueen. I recorded both the Rishikesh Hirway and Baja Bulat interviews myself. You can hear John Parsons every Saturday on KUTX from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., right before my shift, actually. Thanks to Peter Babb and Deidre Gott for their help on the podcast. And yes, our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own excellent hard proof Afro beat. You can email us at this song at KUTX.org or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song KUTX. You can like us on Facebook. And yes, you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts. Liner notes, song of the day, and Austin Music Minute on iTunes. And like I said, we would love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained Live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.